Hello, hello, hello. Hello and welcome to TIB, the Immigrant Back Podcast. I'm your host, Modupe Oguyemi. And if this is your first time tuning in, this is where we talk about tips and insights to help immigrants secure the bag. As always, we start with a disclaimer. This is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. Everything we say on this show is for education and entertainment only. Please note that investing comes with risks, so please do your own due diligence or consult a financial advisor before making any investment decisions. On that note, today we have a very special guest that we're going to be talking to. He's going to be sharing tips and insights and knowledge with us about investing in real estate and securing the bag using and leveraging real estate. His name is Deji, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hello and welcome to the show, Deji. Hi, Duka. Thank you very much for having me on. How are you doing? Thank you for sharing your time with us. So can you tell us your name in full and your social media handles, if you have any? Sure. Uh, so my name is DJ Dunton, and, um, you know, I have a few pages you know, that I use to share content that will probably be helpful within the context of this podcast. And that would be Deals Estate CA. So on Instagram and Facebook, that would be Deals Estate CA. Is that dealsestate.ca or just dealsestate.ca? So if you type dealsestate.ca, it should come out on both Instagram and, and Facebook. So what we share there is primarily content around real estate. Okay, awesome. So can let's get started by talking about a bit about yourself. So can you tell us a bit about yourself, you know, like your background, uh, where you grew up and how you came to find yourself in Canada, because one of the things I should share with our audience actually is that you are also an immigrant, and I think that's super exciting to be yeah. <laughs> like me, myself, like majority of our audience uh, who understands the journey and who can you know speak to it from that lens. So yes, please tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, so let me step out from my, you know, from the Canada experience, right? So I grew up, I grew up in Lagos. Um, born and bred somewhere, you know, called Leary. So for people who were born in... Guru <laughs> Leary in the building. <laughs> Nigeria or, or born in Lagos, they probably would understand, you know, that Sue Leary is the short form for... Leary is the short form for Sue Leary. So that was where I was born and bred. Um, I spent most of my um, time there till I got married. Um, I came into the country, that's Canada here in 2019, towards the end of November. And not, I've been here since, so it's it's about three years now. Okay, so uh, I have a quick question I want to segue into, and I'll say why Canada. And this is because I also get that question a lot when I meet people and tell them, you know, I, I immigrated to Canada. They're like, okay, why Canada? So let me ask you the same question too. Why Canada? Well, at the time, you know, one of the primary reasons for moving to Canada was the pathway to citizenship. And very possible that a lot of people have that same line of thinking as well. And because the path to citizenship was about three plus years, you know, it felt, felt like it wasn't too long versus going to other countries that would require you to stay for a certain amount of time, longer than three years, or maybe would require you to do additional things or would impose a few constraints on your applications. 
your calendar was pretty simple, straight to the point, you know, do three years in the country. You don't have any constraints for an employer. You just have to live in the country for three years um, and then you could apply. So it was relatively simple, straight to the point. So I figured, you know, I might as well give it a shot. Awesome. Awesome. And I have to say, uh, we are loving it so far. Uh, the yeah. land is, uh, and I tell people that, you know, uh, the land of the maple leaf is awesome. The people are great and I'm having a great experience here, uh, living here. So yeah, God bless Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, can you tell us, uh, how you got into the real estate business and why? And is this something you were doing before you moved to Canada or did you start here in Canada? So I, had, um, I hadn't done real estate in Nigeria before I moved. My background in Nigeria was tech. I had co-founded a startup in Nigeria. Moving into real estate was a new space for me. And, you know, it's a very interesting story how that came to be. When I moved into the country in 2019, that was a few months before the pandemic started. Right. So the pandemic was around March of 2020. And I, I remember when that happened, everyone was home and I was working from home. And every day I would, you know, after work, just watch Netflix for, and I used to do that for months. Right. And I did that up until a point where, you know, after work, I would go into Netflix and would probably scroll for like 30 minutes to find a movie I hadn't watched. So I was like, I don't own enough Netflix stock, you know, to keep investing my time in watching these movies, right? Like, what's the end goal here? So I figured I might as well use that time to really understand the country that I just moved to. So I started to do research about, you know, interesting things around, about Canada, you know, how people make money here, you know, um, what people do for money, what industries in this country really move the needle for people in terms of finances. Just like you have in Nigeria, like everyone wants to be in the oil industry, at least in the past. You know, now everyone wants to be in tech. So there are some industries that really move the needle for certain countries. So I wanted to know what those industries were here in Canada. And um, a lot of the research that I did was pointing to real estate. And there's a very strong narrative around real estate here in Canada and in the U.S. as well. And, it, you know, it's, it's possible that a lot of these articles just come up saying, you know, 90% of millionaires have, you know, some exposure to real estate. There's always that narrative, whether it's true or not, you know. Um, I, I, I heard that, I read somewhere that Bill, Bill Gates is probably the largest landowner in, yeah. if not the largest, then one of the largest landowners in the U.S. Yeah, so for me, it, it wasn't my place to verify if the fact was was true. I figured I might as well, you know, learn more about it. I don't lose anything, right? It was the pandemic and you know, I had the time. So I started to learn more about real estate. And the more I found out about, you know, real estate here and how it works, the more exciting it became because of the leverage that it provided versus other industries and other asset classes. And, you know, I just love leverage. So I thought probably a good skill to have and a good industry to be in. Um, another thing that I found out is you really can't build wealth through real estate without the proper understanding of how debt works, right? Because every real estate millionaire or billionaire 
can own, like they're they are only at that level because they know how debt works. Because you buy properties with debt, you know, not so many people buy with cash. A lot of people do, but to build wealth, you need a significant amount of debt. So for you to use debt to become a millionaire, a billionaire, you must understand how it works. You must understand how it can work to your favor and how to mitigate the use of debt. So any industry that allows you to master the art of using debt in a good way and, and not allow you to be a victim of debt was, was something that definitely interested me because I was also trying to get on the financial literacy journey. So that was one of the reasons why I said, you know what, like having a strong understanding of real estate and building a skill in this industry has multiple different benefits, you know, just that, like I mentioned. So that's essentially like the why I got into real estate. Hmm, that's really interesting. And, you know, you touched on something that I think is super you know, something that I would like you to actually unpack a bit more, especially for those of us, for people like us who are immigrants, there's this relationship that we have with debt, right? And maybe it's, you know, I'll say part of it is cultural, part of it is, you know, where we are coming from and just our background and and all of that. We, I would say immigrants tend to view debt as something... Something like a hot potato, something that you don't want to touch, you know, something like you want to stay away from, you know, how, you know, they'll say, oh, no, 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 you know, that is bad. And all busy, that. Right? Like in, in the Yoruba culture, it's called busy. And, exactly, busy. And they'll be like, oh, no, my Jakari busy, you know, that kind of thing. Like, okay. oh, no, 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 I don't want It doesn't that. have a good connotation to it. So, you know, yeah. culturally, at least from my understanding of, of how people view debt, at least in Nigeria, you know, doesn't always come with good connotation. Like, it's, it's always like, Debt is bad, debt is bad. And also we are primarily, from a Nigerian standpoint, we are primarily a cash-based society. So when you think about a lot of things, you buy your cars in cash, you pay your rent one year up front, you pay your school fees, you always pay cash. Like you always have to have money in your account to buy stuff. It's not a credit-based system where you are buying stuff with money you don't have. So just that difference alone moving from a debit-based society to a credit-based society has a lot of upsides and downsides to it, right? It's like a double-edged sword. Whether you like it or not, you are mo- if you decide to move to Canada, you are moving to a credit-based society. So your entire livelihood is going to be tied to a credit score. So if you don't know how to use debt or you don't have a good relationship with debt, then unfortunately, um, it's going to be stressful. Yeah, I'll use the word stressful. So again, when I found an opportunity to learn um, a skill set in an industry that for you to be successful, you need to have a certain level of mastery over debt. I figured, well, it's it's definitely a good place to spend my time. Right. And uh, can I I just get you to shed a bit more light on how you can effectively use debt to build wealth with real estate, how, how the concept of leverage works in that instance and how, you know, someone who's an immigrant who does not necessarily have, uh, you know, a a credit score to even start with, you know, especially if you're coming from a a cash-based society like Nigeria or many other countries, you don't even have a credit score. So how do you, how do you begin to build that and how do you use that leverage and debt to, within the context of real estate, how does that work? Okay, so, you, you know, I haven't spent too long in this in this industry to, you know, to 
say I, I am an authority in the space, but I would use two different books to give credence to my feedback or, or my response to that question. So one of the questions you asked was, you know, for a new immigrant, you, you don't have a very strong credit file. You know, There's nothing you can do about that. Like part of the credit scoring system is the length of time you've been here. So as an immigrant, you know, you, you, you can't run away from that. You just need to stay long enough and pay your bills, you know, frequently enough to build that. So that's never going to change. You can't outsmart that. You know, you just have to spend the time. So there's not much to say on that. Now, the other question around how do you like build or how do you sort of use leverage in real estate to, to build wealth? So, you know, the the use case or the example that everyone will probably know is buying a house. So let's just buy a primary residence. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. They ask you to put a down payment, which is 20%. Well, let's even say it's a personal residence, maybe 5%. Some people do 5%. They ask you to put 5% down. And then the bank gives you a mortgage for 95%. Now, the truth is that mortgage you've taken is a loan. It's debt, right? Like, however you want to wing it, it is a loan and it is debt. And now you've bought that property. So let's say the property was $100,000 and you put down 5K. So now you took 5K from your pocket, but you bought a house that was worth 100K. So if that house appreciated by 10%, you know, that house has grown like 10K, for example. But you only put 5K down, right? So if you sell that house, the bank gets back their 95K. But how much have you gotten? You've gotten your 5K back, plus you've gotten the 10K. And you never had to put down the entire 100K to make that 10K. You leveraged 95% of the bank's, like the house was worth 100K. You leveraged 95% to be able to make that 10K. You would never have had 100K in cash to buy the house if you wanted to buy it in cash. If you are in Nigeria, you would never have you would never have had that money to buy it literally in your first day in Nigeria. You'd have had to work maybe five years, 10 years, keep saving. And in those 10 years, if inflation doesn't ravage your money, you know, maybe add another five years, so maybe 15 years, you probably would have to work for 15 years to be able to afford that house. And God save you if that house hasn't even increased by then. So you work 15 years to buy that house. But your contemporary in Canada, literally on in year one, bought the house. So while you are working and saving every year for 15 years, your contemporary here is building equity for 15 years. Right. So when that, that fellow sells in 15 years' time, the bank's mortgage, you know, is like it's a fixed amount, right? He pays that off, but every amount that the house has made since then, you know, is his or has, right? But in Nigeria, you are just buying the house after 15. So, Okay, this is where we will be drawing the curtains on this week's episode of TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast. I'm sure you'll agree with me that it's been an amazing, amazing conversation so far. It's been super insightful and enlightening. Next week, we will bring you a continuation of the interview. So make sure you don't miss it. And on that note, until next week, when we bring another exciting episode your way again, this is Mudupe saying, keep your friends close, keep your money closer, and keep your family closest.